Good morning. Good to be with you and uh, and milling around a little bit. I realize Michael's been spreading all kinds of lies. Yeah, he's. Uh, I didn't think he'd do that as a pastor, but uh, one thing he was right about in uh, helping to introduce me to you is that I'm I'm a pretty large person, right? <laughs> Some of you made comment to that and how he introduced me, and you'll know him by his size. But Allegra, I was thankful when you got up here and you said, you look a little thin today, I'm glad you weren't looking at me, okay? Because <laughs> it's obvious that uh, I don't, <laughs> I'm not in that category. But uh, it, it is truly good to be with you, and if, uh, if you haven't, under, uh, if you're not understanding yet who I am, my name is Denny Clementson, and uh, Michael, your pastor, and I go back to when he was a high schooler, and I was his high school youth pastor. So that goes back to, dare I say, <laughs> late 60s, early 70s, okay? I, we all remember those days, don't we? Yeah. Some interesting days, some challenging times maybe, but uh, yeah, so uh, we go way back. And uh, like Mark introduced me uh, uh, earlier, I've, I've known his mom and dad longer than he has, okay? So uh, Michael and Alice both are in our high school group, and, and uh, I guess we're kind of a mutual admiration society. He patted me on the back. I'm going to pat him on the back for, as a new youth pastor to have someone like Michael and then his best friend, Rich Freeman, who's also a pastor. Some of you may know Dr. Richard Freeman, pastored at uh, Ocean View Baptist, and uh, now he's stepped out of that and doing his mission work full-time with Turkish Connections. Well, Michael and Rich were those ideal guys for a new youth pastor because they were solid. <laughs> they were good. And, uh, and I'm glad that's the way the Lord introduced me to youth ministry, was through good, good, solid young people like that. Because as time went on, going up into uh, the 70s and in the 80s, it got a little more difficult, okay? It got more challenging all the time. But uh, I, I appreciate Michael, I appreciate Rich, and, and uh, quite a variety of, uh, of those kids. I call them kids, but uh, I, I was a little surprised here a couple of years back now, got an invitation to a birthday party. And it was uh, someone's 60th birthday. I thought, who is this? And I'm reading it. It says, Michael Johnson. Okay. And wait a minute. He can't be that old. <laughs> How old am I? He was one of my kids. So, uh, so anyway, I, I appreciate him taking the time to, quite often to give me a call and see how I'm doing in uh, retirement. I call it rehirement because the church we've gotten involved with is keeping us busy with a variety of things. But uh, it's good to have someone like that who continues to remember you and pray for you. You like that, right? And most of you uh, that I've talked to have said, hey, we've got a good pastor. I'll say amen to that. I'll say amen to that. Well, um, just, just a quick story here. Um, been married this year 49 years, and you know we're we're getting there. Okay, it's it's coming along. Um, but uh, I I was an associate pastor basically with youth ministry at Downey for almost 25 years, and then I got my first call to pastor a church up in Paradise, California. Okay, what better place to do ministry than Paradise? 
Sad thing, there was a lot of sinners there too, but uh, we had a good ministry there. But my cute little wife, 5'2", now 5'1", the doctor told her last year, you're 5'1", she says, no, I'm 5'2". He says, nope, you're 5'1". <laughs> so, uh, but uh, cute little thing. And um, so uh, my, my first, uh, my first uh, preaching assignment, First Baptist Church of Paradise. And uh, after a couple of years, I was walking through the house and on the shelf was one of these Danish coffee tins. You, you've, you've eaten out of those, haven't you? All those good little Danish cookies. And so here is this tin. And I thought, well, I wonder what that's for. I know I finished all those cookies, okay? And so uh, I uh, thumped on it. It sounded kind of empty. So I said, Diana, what, what's the, coffee, the cookie tin for? She said, well, it, it, it's mine. It's personal. And I'd appreciate you not looking in it. I said, okay. we got a good marriage. I can handle that. We don't have to say so, uh, but, but what does that do when somebody tells you no? Do you get curious or is it just me? And so the curiosity is building up. And uh, I'd walk by and thump on that tin. It sounded empty, so I picked it up and, ooh, there's something in it. What is that? So, um, I'm really getting curious now. What am I going to do? I'm in a real quandary here because... I'm immensely curious, but I know if I tell her and ask her what's in there, I will have broken my promise. So after a week or so, I decide I, I can't take it anymore. Diana, she looks at me, yes, dear. I said, uh, I broke a promise. She said, what's that? I said, well, the other day I got so curious, I opened up that tin and looked in it. Oh, Denny, why, why'd you do that? I asked you not to do that. So she started to walk away, and I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. There were two eggs in there and two $1 bills. What were those eggs for? She said, I wish you hadn't asked me. She said, we've been at the church two years now, and, you know, every once in a while when you've had a sermon that hasn't been quite up to par, I put an egg in there. <laughs> oh. Two eggs, not doing too bad. She starts to walk away again. I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, there's two $1 bills. Oh, she said, just, just let it go. I said, no, I've got to know. What are the two, two $1 bills for? She said, well, every time I got a dozen eggs, I sold them for a dollar. So, oh, goodness. Anyway, just... Uh, just not to get your hopes up, okay? Mike hadn't heard me preach in a long time, so we'll give it a shot here. But uh, just, just a little disclaimer there to kind of get us rolling. But uh, when, he, when he asked me to preach, I said, uh, what, what are you on? What do you want me to do? He said, we're going through Revelation, but I'd like you to just preach that sermon that you have on your heart. And I said, well, I've got one that I've preached once or twice and uh, would like to maybe share that. He says, do that. Well, that's what uh, this message is all about. My passion, people, okay? Well, that's interesting, that's unique. Uh, and the reason I came up with this, another one of my high school kids <laughs> pastoring uh, Ocean View Baptist is Dr. Jacques Molyneux. And he asked me to preach after he first started there, after Rich Freeman, and he said, I want you to come and just preach your passion. Okay. Well, there's a variety of things going through my mind, but I thought, well, I'm going to do something. We have, we have dinner every Tuesday night with uh, all 
five or six couples. All our kids grew up together at First Baptist Downey. That's where Michael and I got acquainted. And so we have dinner every Tuesday night. We, we live in Ukaipa. We drive an hour and a half to Fullerton to have dinner every Tuesday night. And so the guys are sitting here, girls over at their table, and guys are here. And I said, guys, uh, what, do you, what do you see my passion to be? Dan looks at me and says, well, people. I said, really? People? The other guys chimed in and kind of gave a little support on that. So I thought, well, I'm going to run with that. So I started looking and praying and looking at Scripture. And I said, well, what am I passionate about? I am passionate about people. I like people, okay? My giftedness is pastor, teacher, and gifts of mercy. And, and I'm probably strongest on mercy. I, I like coming alongside people and being an encouragement to them. And so as I started thinking some of these things through, well, what's, what's number one on my list? Well, if you've got your notes there, uh, it's personally following Christ. In other words, what do I want for people? As I come in contact with people, what is my greatest desire for them but to know Jesus Christ in a personal way? And you say, well, you're a pastor, you should expect that. Well, no, I think when we finish this, this acrostic on people, my prayer is that we will all be even more focused on being people passionate, okay? A passion for people, the people around us, not only our family, but uh, our neighbors, and fee, uh, you know, just the different ones we come in contact with. So anyway, uh, that's, that's where I started, personally following Christ. I want, I want people to know that. And so uh, what I'm going to share with you, we've been... Uh, Moved out to Yukaipa about two years ago. Got involved at First Baptist Church Yukaipa, and uh, almost immediately, my daughter spilled the beans that I was a retired pastor. So we got asked to do something. Okay, but what the pastor gave us was this ministry called Starting Point. Uh, you've all heard of Dr. Charles Stanley. Well, his son Andy Stanley's developed a series called Starting Point, and it's for non-Christians. For new Christians and people returning, coming back to the church. And so I uh, said, yeah, I would like to give that a try. So we, last year, uh, went through that two different times, two 10-week uh, periods of time. There's about nine people total that went through that, not a lot. But we had several non-believing people in those series. Greg and Vicki in the early 60s and Joe, who was 83, all three of those came to know Jesus Christ last year. How exciting. And, and the Lord just really challenging my wife, Diana, and I. And this, this is a great ministry to have. Whoever thought we'd have the opportunity to see some seniors come to know Jesus. And uh, it, it just launched us. And so I... You know, my wife, <laughs> I dumped something on her today. We were starting the second round of a discipleship series that I'm developing today. So my wife's home doing it by herself, okay? And it's called First Steps. So we looked at the starting point where we're exploring this uh, Christian faith, this walk with Jesus, with people who don't know Jesus. And uh, so some of them came to him, and I said, what do we do with them now? The pastor that gave me this assignment has moved on to another church in Texas, and so we've got an interim, so I thought, well, I, I've got to do something. So we've been working on and developing a four-quarter, one-year-long discipleship ministry series. So starting point, 
First Steps starts this week for eight weeks. Uh, next uh, quarter, we'll, uh, we'll deal with the next steps, continuing on in the walk. And that fourth series will really basically be stepping up to service. How are we going to serve? With our gifts and serve by telling other people about Jesus. So you can pray for us. But remember Greg and Vicki and Joe because they're hardly a year old in the Lord. But that's my passion more and more. So when asked to do this, I I really zeroed in and focused on the concept of people. And that first P, that acrostic, is people personally following Christ. Anything more exciting? I don't believe so. It's exciting to see birth. My wife birthed four daughters for us, and how exciting that is. That's a thrill. But to see new life, whether it be physically or spiritually, is probably right at the pinnacle of, uh, of life. So uh, personally following after Christ, a couple of passages. This, a lot of this is review. You know these scriptures. You know this stuff. But uh, we're going to put it in an order that maybe will be helpful to you. Someone from last service says, hey, I'm going to use this, okay? I, I'm going to put this into practice. I thought, well, that's great. That's what preaching and teaching is all about, right? We take it and put it into action. We put it into practice. So uh, as we look at uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and following, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And all of a sudden, here comes those three powerful words. Come, follow me. Follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He began to preach a little bit uh, right prior to that. And what did he say? Repent, okay? Repent. So repentance is key here. If we're going to follow Christ, we're going to have to do what? Repent is what? It's an about face, isn't it? We were walking in one direction, then all of a sudden Jesus says, come follow me. He calls out to us. And we're basically walking the way of the world. And when he says, repent, he's saying, I was in the army learning to to march. And when they said about face, we turned around and went the other way, right? How many of you guys learned that marching stuff, okay? Numerous. And so the opportunity to follow him was pretty radical. Because it's turning around and going in the opposite direction. Okay, and that's what he's asking of these guys. Come on, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. We're going to we're going to refocus your lives. Your lives are going to be on people. Okay, we're going out after people. I love to fish. I thought in retirement I was going to fish a lot more. I've fished a lot less. Doggone it. Anyway, <laughs> would like to be. But uh, the Lord keeps giving us opportunities. My wife with children's ministry doing with Child Evangelism Fellowship, doing good news clubs at the schools there. And and so we keep pretty busy with our small life group and some of these things we're doing. And so so fishing for men uh, is my passion. I trust it's yours. And Luke 9.23 is another one of those follow passages that, that gets pretty intense, I would call it. So we look at uh, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Okay, some pretty radical statements here. If we're going to follow Jesus, what do we have to do? 
this is one of the things the world struggles with. I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus and give up myself. Little do they realize they will become a new creation. It'll be a whole new self. Because when Jesus comes in, right, he makes us new. We move from what? From death to life. The world looks at it from a living perspective and then dying, but as a follower of Christ, we see very realistically that we were dead. Dead without Jesus, and now we're alive to him. And so what better thing than to be people passionate and have a great, immense desire to do what? To see people follow after Jesus Christ. Now, this is, again, why we're here as a church, as a body. We're here to make a difference in the world around us. And as we we're praying about uh, elections coming up, I'm not going to get anything political because however we vote, however it comes out, it's not going to change our world, in a sense, for the best in, in, in either side. The thing that's going to change the world is Christ's church, the body of Christ, that's you and me, Right? You can say amen. You can talk to me, okay? I don't mind. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, the real difference in this world is going to come from us, the people of God, making a difference on the people out there, bringing them to what a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as the Savior to follow after him. So uh, for, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm writing and developing what I call now my personal mission statement. Church is right mission statements to kind of give them a direction according to their personality as a church. And uh, this, this is somewhat my personality. And this is my passion to make sure that people are pers personally following after Christ. Well, that big E, that second point, once we give our hearts to Christ, the Holy Spirit immerses us or places us into, or it's called baptism of the Spirit, places us into the body of Christ, Right? We're now bound together by the Spirit of God. We're now a part of one another in the church. When we say we're going to church, we sometimes mean a building. But maybe what we should be saying, we're going to go be the church, okay? We're going to hear the truth. We're going to hear the word. And then we're going to live it out in a manner that makes a difference in the world we live in. And so uh, this uh, second concept here is encouraging one another in Christ. And, of course, that's my passion. I, I feel like I'm an encourager, and I want to be that for people. I want to be there for people. And so, uh, but look at the words one another. As, uh, as you look at the, at the words, at the scriptures here, we've got two passages in Hebrews. And, uh, again, you can go in a variety of places and, and, and find this because it's, uh, it's not just, uh, not just in, uh, in the book of Hebrews. So right at the, at the start of this book, the book of Hebrews, it, uh, it, it gives us a unique little challenge that sometimes is hard to do. When you, uh, when you look at this passage, verse, uh, see, verses, just verse 13 here, uh, chapter 3, uh, it, it's speaking to the warning against unbelief, challenging, encouraging people to keep focused. But then in verse 13, it says, but encourage one another daily as long as, the day, as long as it's called today. Encourage one another. Well, who are the one another's? That's us, right? We're the one another's, you and me. It's not really the world. 
because they haven't come to the saving knowledge of Christ. They haven't been baptized into and placed into the body of Christ. So the, the second thing I'm passionate about is to make sure Greg and Vicki and Joe are what? Are walking along with Jesus. First thing Satan wants to do when somebody gives their heart to Christ, he wants to discourage them. That's why some Billy Graham discipleship material has as their second lesson, first one's salvation, second one is assurance. Do we remember that? Most of us do. You need to be assured of who you are in the faith, in that walk with Christ. And so uh, I asked you to pray for Greg and Vicki. I met with Greg uh, for coffee on, uh, on Friday uh, morning, and we spent two hours together. For the purpose of encouragement, uh, Greg and Vicki are not a year old in the Lord yet, but in that period of time, one of the first things that challenged them was their pastor, who was ministering to them and helped bring them along, got called to another church. Well, there was a loss. That, that was difficult to lose their pastor. Second loss was their first grandchild, four months old, dropped off of the babysitters, died in the crib that morning. So they lost their first and only grandchild. And then the third thing that happened, uh, Greg lost his job after how many years with the water department? Really strange situation. Does Joe and Vicki need encouragement? Do, I mean, do, do Greg and Vicki? Sure they do. Sure they do. Here they're new in the faith, and somebody needs to come alongside them, be with them, pray for them, encourage them. And so the sec second aspect, this encouraging one another in Christ, is vital to the functioning of Christ's church, the body. Well, then we jump back a little further in, uh, in the book of Hebrews and to a passage that we all know and we've, we've heard preached numerous times. So again, it's review. But I'm going to start reading from verse 19 of the, uh, of the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, who are the us? We're, we're the us, okay? Let us, let us draw near to God. Remember the bumper sticker said, if you're far from God, guess who moved? Okay, yeah? He doesn't move. We, we're the flexible ones that, that oftentimes move away from him. So he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us, again, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And then let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So here, here's some encouragement. Let us, okay? Let, oh, that, that reminds me. You, you know what a honeymooner's salad is, don't you? Let us alone. Some of you are still thinking that one through. It's a groaner, I know. Let us alone. Okay. The, the let us here is... is 
is the challenge for us as the church, the body of Christ, to step up in these areas. We have some response. What God has done to us through the Lord Jesus Christ and for us through Jesus is a miracle. It's amazing. But we have some response here. And part of it is as the us, the one another's, to, to do some of these things. And so uh, encouraging one another in Christ should be done on a daily basis, every day. There's someone that needs encouragement literally every day. Do we know who that is? That might be part of our assignment this week. Hmm, I'm remembering so-and-so. I'm going to call them every day. Or I've got five people. I'm going to call each one of them through the week. But then it says, uh, let's keep meeting together. That, that's why some of us come here, right? Some come because, yeah, we like the music or we, we like the message, whatever. But I believe oftentimes we come because we need one another. We need the encouragement. We need to connect. We need a hug. We need uh, someone's voice in our lives. And so uh, the whole concept of encouraging one another in Christ is part of my passion. And uh, let's, let's keep on because we, we could develop each of these areas considerably. The next one, blank to Christ. What do you think the O is all about? You've got it. <laughs> You've got it. Obedience, okay? It, it's interesting. Uh, some of those 10 kids, 11 kids that in VBS that I had an opportunity to counsel this last year, uh, that came to know the Lord too. There's, there's uh, 11 new kids that are new followers of Christ. But one of the little girls that was sitting in my group, the child evangelism guy is telling the story and said, if you have any questions, go back and talk to Denny. So several of them came back, about 30-some over the week. One little girl said, really surprised me. She said, I have a hard time obeying. Really? <laughs> this is coming from a nine-year-old. And she was serious. I have a hard time obeying. So we talked quite a bit about that. She had already given her heart to the Lord, but now she's beginning to grasp and understand that she needed not only to obey mom and dad, but to obey Jesus. Okay? And so this obedient uh, word is, uh, is a big one. You know, if, if, we're, if we're reading through, well, uh, several years ago, I read through the Bible and uh, got through the Old Testament and I said, Lord, what did I learn from this Old Testament? A lot, a lot of gory stuff going on, lots of battles, a lot of people killing and dying and whatever. And boom, the word popped into my head, obey, okay? Israel had a hard time obeying. As a result, they wandered. <laughs> they were slaves. A variety of things happened to the children of Israel because they were disobedient. We need to learn from that and not follow that same pattern. So uh, as long as we're at the back of the Bible here, let's look at 1 John 2, 5 to 6. 1 John 2, 5 and 6. And uh, it, it's, it's very crucial here. Uh, in fact, let me back up to verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. 
So here we're on this path. We're walking in a, in a way that Jesus is leading. We're following him. But we're commanded and directed in his commands, in his word, to do what? To obey his commands. Walk like he walked. Do what he did, okay? And so, uh, so that's part of my passion. Because I realize when I'm obedient to the Lord, the blessings <laughs> seem to come, right? The blessings seem to be there. And so obedience is something we need to teach people, to encourage them with in their new walk with Christ, or even with their old walk in Christ. Titus 3, 1 to 8, right in there. Uh, it just, and, and again, you can, you can do a little study on your own because uh, tons of scripture on this concept of obedience. Uh, so Titus, chapter 3, 1 to 8, we're not going to read the whole thing here, but uh, verse 1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient. So we're, we're not only to be obedient to Christ, but we're to obey in the context of our government, whether it be city, state, and, uh, and uh, our, our country. And then it goes on, verse 3, at the time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That's where we're all coming from. Someone said, wait a minute. Well, yeah, no, yeah. We were all sinners, right? That's why we needed Jesus. So when we responded to him, began to follow him, we moved out of that unsaved state to a point where we are now saved by his grace to live this life. And it's a life of obedience, a life of obedience. And uh, so this, uh, this continues to be developed throughout the scriptures here. So uh, to, I, I, I passionately want people to realize that uh, obedience is going to make a huge difference in their way of life, in their way of living. Um, people outside the church, outside the faith, are referred to as children of what? Of disobedience. Children of disobedience. Well, we've made that transfer. We're, we're out of that category. And now we're in a relationship with him. And uh, his, uh, his directive to us is to, to continue in a walk with him, continue along that path in an obedient way. So when you come on a Sunday mornings or in your life group or whatever, you're, you're reading, studying, and contemplating God's word. And again, as we said before, it's not just for head knowledge, it's for heart and hands. See, what Jesus is really doing here, he's making disciples, right? He says, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Basically what Jesus is doing, he's developing this discipleship pattern with, uh, with people that uh, come to him and respond to him. Ultimately, he's going to say, what? Go and make disciples. That's the command you and I have. So uh, as I have an opportunity to develop a discipleship ministry for new believers, new people in the Lord, how exciting is that? To see people being made into true followers, disciples, disciplined in Jesus Christ. And uh, this, uh, this whole concept of, uh, of being a disciple it's something that we should be passionate about. Who are disciples? But people. People like us. We followed. He's making us into disciples. The basic definition is follower and learner. And then we're commanded to go make other disciples. Well, uh, 
Moving on to uh, the next P, prepared for service in Christ. Prepared for service in Christ. That was life-changing for me. As I got called into youth ministry after getting out of the army and getting married and spending a summer with the Hopi Indians in northern Arizona and kind of getting, getting started in some ministry, all of a sudden, hearing my Bible teacher at Biola University dealing with some of this, I didn't fully realize God had gifted me. He'd given me gifts that he wanted me to use by his power to make disciples and to make a difference in this world and to help build the body. So uh, if there was anything I was really passionate about, I thought my friends, my guy friends would say, hey, you, you love teaching on spiritual gifts. Well, I do, I do. But there's several steps before getting to that. We, we need people to know Jesus, be encouraged, and along the steps here. But here, here's an area where I feel it's just vital and crucial to the unity and the oneness of the church is that each person understand his giftedness. Uh, I got called to pastor First Baptist Church of Paradise. Within a year or so, we were doing some spiritual gifts classes. And I had several seniors. Uh, Clarence, who was a retired mail carrier, big guy like me. When we stood together, they called us the bookends because we looked pretty much alike in shape and size. And uh, Clarence was a big, happy, you know, just free kind of guy. Just, but when he got into class, he said, well, I don't have a gift. I said, sure you do, Clarence. He said, no, I don't. I don't know of any gift I have. I said, but you do. So we went through the seven, eight weeks and came out that uh, his, his giftedness seemed to lean very strongly towards hospitality. How many have the gift of hospitality? Anybody out there? You, you like to serve people, care for them, greet them, welcome them, etc. We put him at the front door of the church with one of our services and he just loved people into that place. He, he just, it just changed his whole person. And uh, he started ministering and, and, and caring for people and it was refreshing. People looked forward if there's a couple of people at the door, they'd go to Clarence, okay? Big guy would give them a hug and a handshake and just uh, give them all kinds of good words. So I want to prepare people for service. I want people to know and understand they're vital to the functioning of the church, each and every person, each individual. My story goes back to when Michael and, uh, and Rich were in high school back in the early 70s. Uh, they had another friend named Dave Baker, okay? Dave Baker as a high schooler, was two inches taller than me. So when we went to camp, they had all these crazy games up at Hume Lake. They had a game called push ball, big giant six-foot ball, 25 guys on one team, 25 on another. Push that ball up there, and then you start pushing it towards the goal. Every time it comes down, you hit it, you push it. Well, we scored three times because no one ever touched the ball except Dave and myself, okay? <laughs> Tall enough with our long arms. Every time that ball came down, we hit it. We scored three times. They took a time out on the other side. And uh, so they're whispering over there and what they were saying to each other. Okay, you five guys, you take out the high school kid. You five guys take out the counselor. That was me. Well, we go to push that ball. Boom, they take me out. They take Dave out. <laughs> I get up with two broken toes. 
I'm, I'm hurting, okay? A couple of toes, small toes, ounces of flesh and bone slows down the whole body. You get the picture? (laughs) How important is each person to the functioning of the church, Christ's body? You're vital. We need you. We need everyone. We need one another. And so uh, this this has become really uh, an area that I'm passionate about. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, real quick, like most of you know that by heart, but uh, I'll read it here. And then I'm going to move into verse 10 that we usually leave out. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared in advance for me to be gifted the way I am, just as he has done that for you. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, we're, we're saved by his grace. We take a step of faith. But then his workmanship, what does that mean? We're a work of art. We're a work of art. When I look in the mirror, I say, I don't know about that work of art thing, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but what he's talking about is what he does in us and for us and through us. We're a work of art. We're his workmanship. And, uh, and he wants to do amazing things through us. Well, Ephesians 4.12, again, real quick, like uh, Ephesians 4.12 was uh, kind of one of my favorite passages because it basically says, uh, verse 11 and following, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. For what reason? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, reach unity, Come to a knowledge of the Son of God and be mature. And so uh, this, this whole concept of uh, preparing for service, uh, again, I, I don't want the church hindered in any way. The church can be hindered by one or two or three or a dozen people not being in the mix, using their gifts, doing ministry. You say, well, I, I can't get up there and speak. Well, not too many are called to do this. Most are called to the gift of helps, Encouragement, mercy, some of these things. And so, uh, so again, I'm passionate about this, very much so. Well, the L, live a life worthy of Christ, Ephesians 4.1. Well, what does that passage say? We're right there. And uh, it says, uh, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. When Jesus called us, uh, it's, it's a special way of life. And now we're to live worthy. I put the word walk in there because my New American Standard says walk worthy. Well, how are we supposed to do that? Well, the next verse gives us a pretty good idea. When it says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So uh, here we have uh, some direction on, on how to do what? How to walk worthy of Christ. And so uh, th- this is uh, another whole area that uh, I-, I believe we should be concerned about as a church, that we know who we are in Christ, and then we know how to serve and-, and function in a manner that's honoring and glorifying to him. Well, the last point, E, is eternal encouragement from Christ. I skipped a couple of verses. You can look those up later. But Second uh, Corinthians, when I ran across this, I just... Uh, very much refreshed me. And so 2 Thessalonians, 
It says here, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us an eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and, and, and strengthen you in every good deed and word. So uh, our, our master encourager is who? Jesus, yeah. What does he encourage us with? Eternity, okay? When we come into a relationship with him and we know him, we know through him and by him we have eternal life. We have hope. We have hope. The world doesn't have that. They need that kind of encouragement. They need that focus. And so my challenge for myself again and for each and every one of us, as we leave here, we go into truly a mission field, don't we? Every one of us. There's people out there without Jesus, without knowledge of him. Joe at 83 and, the, and, and Greg and Vicki at 61, 62 had never been in this book. We had to start with Genesis and say, this is a chapter. These are verses. There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. I, I was a little bit surprised, but they had no understanding of God's word. They had no understanding of the truth there. And so uh, one of the things that we must be passionate about as people, knowing Jesus and then following these steps and bringing them to a point where Jesus Christ himself will be an eternal encourager for each and every one of them. How, how, do, how do we respond to this today? I, I'm not sure how you will respond. But I, I, I pray that even you might sit down and develop your own personal mission statement who am I in Christ? How am I gifted? How does he want to use me in the church and in the world? If you've got the gift of hospitality, invite your neighbor for dinner or for lunch or for coffee. You know, it, it's pretty simple, just building a relationship with people that don't know Jesus Christ. Tough thing to do sometimes. So I guess uh, if there's any kind of prayer I would have for us as a congregation, as a gathering today, as we walk out the door, will we be and are we people passionate? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the time in your word. Thank you for the privilege to share together, to be with one another. And as we go from this place, may we give encouraging words to those we meet, hugs to those that need them, and uh, just words that will lift and, and build them up. But Father, once we leave these doors, we have a responsibility to contact those who are not here today, maybe for illness or a variety of reasons. Maybe our neighbor needs to be introduced to Jesus. Help us to build a friendship that it might develop into a relationship with Christ. Use us, O oh Lord. Motivate us to be passionate about people around us, people you bring into our lives that we might make a difference for eternity. In Christ's name we pray, amen.